Yes, sir. And welcome to the Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. And before we start the show, I just want to tell you, as usual, how you can participate with us. You can participate by reaching out to us via our email. That's Road to Damascus. That's Road, the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. Or you can follow the show or reach out to us via our socials. We're on Instagram as well as Twitter at Road to Damascus. That's Road, the number two, Damascus. Reach out to us. Tell us how much you enjoy the show. Make show topic discussion or suggestions, and we'll try to add them to our lineup. We love to hear from the people who love to listen to our show, and we always appreciate any thoughts and feedback. So let's get ready to start this ship. And I think for what the third or fourth week in a row, uh, we probably just gonna have to. <laughs> it's just gonna be me. So you know, as usual, I have to give her her uh, introduction to the wise sage, the one who knows, the one who remains. Did you see the episode of Loki? He who remains. Um, the, I am but a Padawan, and she is a Jedi. Bam! You ain't think I could whip that one out, did you? Rabbi Shonda, say what's up to everybody, Rabbi. What's up, everybody? Where do you get this stuff from? Well, you know, I watch a lot of TV, too, you know. But, you know, a Padawan is a, a Jedi in training. Right. right. So I'm, I'm a Padawan. I'm but a, but a Padawan. Wow. And you are a Jedi. Mm. <laughs> Much knowledge in you, I see. Um. So, um... Hopefully, fingers crossed, the next show will have all four of us back together. So I'm 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 hoping that uh we can get some life water for Stefan to <laughs> right. meet his uh his um, rider. his rider and uh we can get Lauren to come out of seclusion. She uh called me this week and we had a good conversation. I told her how much we missed her. Said Shonda miss you, I miss you. Absolutely. So um, hopefully the next show, all four of us will be back together. So today we will be discussing DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this was a show topic that the rabbi has suggested this week. So I'm going to go ahead and let her, uh, get this thing started. Go ahead, rabbi. Uh, well, I'm not accustomed to starting the show. No, you're not, but I'm not. I don't know. We getting you. We getting you. Well, we getting you ready for when your your show start. When 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 you out here doing uh thirty good minutes with Rabbi Shonda. <laughs> okay, I take that. <laughs> um, well, you know, at at work we've had um, I've had the chance to participate in some conferences and uh, a lot of discussions, and I've seen that in a lot of our um, secular institutions. There's been a lot of conversation here recently about DEI. And I just started thinking and wondering why is it that it's not a concern in our churches? Um, I think our churches are more segregated than the schools were during the Jim Crow era. And I'm not sure that there's anything being done about it or really said about it. I think it's just accepted. And I think the song with uh, Kirk Franklin and Maverick City, you know, if you're wondering what heaven looks like, is looking like me and you. And I, I can't understand why 
why churches are so segregated, but you have the, the notion and the knowledge that heaven won't be. If everybody has access to heaven, why is that everyone doesn't have access to our churches? So you coming out the gate. Hey, ain't no gate. You coming We've out We've been the bucking gate. behind the <laughs> stall for so long with these issues. And I don't think we're holding um, our the church's feet to the fire. We hold the world's feet to the fire about everything. Um, but we don't hold our church's feet to the fire. They get really upset when we talk about inclusion in churches because they limit it. They limit it to just LGBTQIA plus people. Well, why should they be included? They should be included because they're God's people like everybody else. Well, it seems like we've been including pedophiles for about 100 years. We have welcomed them to the point where we ordained them. Uh, and and make them Catholic uh, priests and, and not just Catholic because uh, the S- I sent you that article right. yesterday. Southern Baptist. The Southern Baptist Convention is under investigation by the Department of Justice, right? Based on them um, hiding information of pastors that were sexually assaulting um, women up to young women, right? And the the. Uh, <laughs> The great King James, whose Bible has circulated in more churches than than some people, um, was a homosexual himself. But for some strange reason, you don't discredit his version of the Bible. Absolutely. Hey, you know what's funny? <laughs> Real quick. I saw this meme yesterday that said, why are all these uh, um, right-wingers getting mad about the DOJ going after the Department of Justice? I hear y'all talking about how y'all want to get rid of all these pedophiles all the time. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like y'all always talking about these pedophile rings. Well, there you go. There you go. So that yeah. that was a little bit funny. Um, but continue. I didn't mean to no, you're sidetrack you. So I think we just need to have the, the discussion. Um, diversity is it refers to all aspects of human difference, whether it's social, social group differences, um, race, ethnicity, greed. Creed, I'm sorry, color, sex, gender, gender identity, sexual identity, socioeconomic status, language, culture, national origin, religion, spirituality, age, um, disability. All of it is important. We need all of that. Um, If all you have are your own cultural beliefs, you operate out of culture shock in every area. You know, all the standards have to pass through your own cultural standards and beliefs. We do the same thing in the church, and you can see it how we try to stomp out other people's spirituality um, and the things that they brought from their countries. We classify it all as demonic. Um, Even some of our African heritage we have classified as demonic simply because it doesn't exalt a white Jew. We got to change that. Amen. So first, um, and it's funny we went here, um, because oh, I told you last Friday evening, um, I finally got to watch the unspoken documentary that was put out by the uh, Jude Three Project, which is a podcast slash um, group that um, does a podcast. They do conferences, things like that. Things that I hope to turn the road <laughs> to Damascus too. But um, the unspoken documentary talked about the history of Africa in the church and. You know, because we've talked about Christ and chattel slavery and compared those two and things like that. Right. Um, and so it's important. But I think that 
diversity has unfortunately become a dirty word. Inclusion has become a dirty word and equity has become a dirty word in today's society because people who are on top, people who are in charge want to continue to stay on top, want to continue to be in charge. And how do I do that? I do that by stomping out the things that people want to do. And, um, and within the church, unfortunately, you'll have <clears throat> a mega ministry come into a neighborhood and they'll go into a, a predominantly black neighborhood, but the church in the inside doesn't look like the neighborhood and they're doing nothing outside of the church to cater to that neighborhood that's trying to lift it up, that's trying to build it up. And then the things that for the people that live in that neighborhood that go to that church, they don't speak to the issues that those people are dealing with every day to be able to help them. So unfortunately we run into this um, wall of I'm black. I go to a multiracial church, but they don't speak to the issues that I deal with as a black person. They may try to get me to lean a certain way politically you understand what I'm saying, mm -hmm. Shonda? So it's like churches seem like a, now more than ever because we've talked about how political church has gotten, that they're just trying to push you in a certain way. And if you don't yeah. believe the way I believe and if you don't talk the way I talk, then there is something amiss about you. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately – it's causing such a rift and a division where that's why I, I think I saw an interview one time with James Baldwin. I don't know if the quote is from him or I've heard it attributed to Malcolm X, but he said that the, and now this is in the fifties that the most segregated hour in this country is high noon on Sunday where black people go to their churches mm -hmm. and white people go to their churches. And when you think about Brown v board of education, which allowed, um, got rid of separate but equal and was really the ground swell for inclusion. Everything got inclusive except our churches. And it's still that way. It, the needle hasn't really moved and you're more likely to see a, um, <clears throat> a handful of black people in a white church. As opposed to a handful of white, white people, people in, in a, a black, black church. I attended a white church myself for a while. And I remember um, there were there, there was a, a good balance between the two, and you know, y'all know I just report the news. Black people just have more rhythm, right? So they had you know black musicians, and they had of course some white musicians sprinkled in there, but the lead musicians were black. The drummer was black, so you got that you know that, the organ, yeah, yeah, you know, and Hammond, you got that one and three, you know, the clapping on the one and three, not right. the two and the four, yeah. And praise and worship was going up, and man, you could the soul clap right. was alive. And the pastor came out, and he said, "Whoo!" He's like, "I thought I was at a black church." Well, wow! I just, you know, I, I, I I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> can I, can I speak freely for a Please. minute? It's just me and you, yeah, and the me. and the thousands who are gonna <laughs> listen later on. That would have been my last day at that church. What, it, what does that mean? It sounded like black church. You know, it was so much, you know, so much rhythm. 
Uh, you know, the, the, the music was so good. Um, yeah, he's like, it sounded like a black church. Okay. Like, wow. And there is a distinct sound. Oh, no, no. Sound. There, you know there, what I mean? There, just, there's a difference. There's a distinct sound. Yeah. But some things you just don't say out loud. You, you know, it's like, <laughs> I got this meme on my phone where it says, hey, buddy. There is a such thing as inside thoughts. Yeah. You could have kept that to yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just certain, exactly. like, you could have kept that one to yourself. It's certain yeah. things that you just don't say because you don't know how people are going to take it. Right. I think our church is still confused about the difference uh, between equity and equality. You know, the churches in the 60s, they were really involved in the equality movement. Um Equality is everyone is treated as if their experiences are the same. Well, you should be treated like your experiences are the same. That's not equity. The words are not interchangeable. And I think the church is so rooted in that movement for equality that talking about equity seems unachievable. They don't even try it or try to understand it. And we have got to reach a point where we understand that equitable means acknowledging and addressing structural inequalities like historic and current, the advantage that some have and the disadvantage of others equal treatment results in equity only if everybody starts with equal access to the opportunity. But we still don't look at that. You see the playing field on one side and I think I've seen this this meme that circulates with the boxes yeah. and they stand and on the razor blades and um, what they call the the electric saws on on one side where the black person is, and you have the same amount of space on the other side where you know they have the you know the the white person, but there's nothing blocking them. There's no nothing interfering with the, with the trail. But on the other side, you have the same amount of space, but you have all these obstacles that that you, that, that you have to overcome. And it's like that in church. And I'm for the life of me, I can't understand pastors who don't address these issues, especially when the majority of your congregants look like you. Well, I, I believe, honestly, um, a lot of people aren't um, equipped to be able to have these conversations in a way. Um, a lot of pastors are afraid to offend and because you're afraid to offend, there are certain things that you won't say or you're afraid to alienate. Because if if I got a handful of white people that go to a black church, I don't want them to feel alienated. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But a a, 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 a a predominantly white ministry with a handful of black people does not care about them feeling alienated by maybe a a person they may bring to the church to speak, a political candidate, the church might be trying to get you to support me. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like what we have to begin to do. And I, I did a live this week with my um, cousin um, on Instagram and we were talking about financial literacy and why, you know, the church has never really tried to do anything like that, you know, and I made a suggestion, like what if we had the first Monday of the month, we doing a financial literacy class. You understand what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. 
you know, because the person you put in charge of that knows that. So they might have bankers come or investment bankers or people who do stock. So now you have people, you, you invite these people to come to your church and they're teaching your congregants and, and maybe they may charge a fee or maybe they just may do it, you know, out of the kindness of their heart to help the ministry. But we, we've never dove into these things. And, and now when you're talking about DEI, a lot of churches, it's just like, and, and I've gotten to a lot of debates about this with people. What is the script that we're following for church? What is the script? Nobody has ever shown me this script, but every church follows the same script. You go in, you have, um, begin usually with worship. You welcome everybody, and then that welcome leads into worship, praise and worship. Then that leads into maybe you might have a scripture read, maybe not. Then you have your pastor come up. He may give you 35 to 50 minutes, sometimes longer. Then after that, you have altar call. Then after altar call, you do um, offering. Offering. Then after offering, you do announcements and you dismiss. Mm-hmm. Every church does that. Black, white, don't matter. They follow this same script. Usually one day a week is Bible study. Another day a week is prayer. And, you know, and then you don't bother the people the rest of the days of the week. Maybe you might have a little something here and there, but usually nothing. Every church does the same thing, but there, there, there's this script they follow, but I didn't read that script in the Bible. So why does everybody feel as though they have to follow the same script? I don't know. And (laughs) I feel real comfortable saying this. You and I, we know that it can be different because we desire some difference. Right. And we've grown tired along with some others of the same thing of, of sitting in, in a, in a service that's predictable. Right. You can literally watch the clock, uh, by it. And it's so bad that sometimes you can see and feel that it's clearly not working and nobody deviates from the pattern at all, at all. Like there's no oil in this song at all, but you're going to keep singing it. Keep singing. No oil. Gonna keep singing. I'm gonna shove this down your throat and you're gonna like it. But oh, that homosexual uh, agenda, you're gonna shove it down our throats and you want us to like it and we don't like it. Well, you're shoving this down our throats and we don't like it, but you keep doing it. Absolutely. And we keep getting the same results. And we're wondering why the homosexuals aren't aren't changing or why the liars are still lying. Cause that ain't the only one. Why the adulterers are still committing adultery. Uh, why, why the, the fornicators are still, are still fornicating. fornicating. Why the drug users is still drugging it. Right. Cause ain't no oil in your service. Right. Respectfully. Respectfully. No, but, I, but I mean, at the end of the day, we, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. And, when you start to see, you know, like the one guy I follow online, Opus, and I'll send yeah, you some of his stuff. Yeah. He different. The way he talks is just like, you had me at hello. Right. I mean, you understand what I'm yeah. saying? Like, because people desire something different. They like the his some of the I don't want I don't want to talk so about relatable. Yeah. I don't want to talk about some of the ideas we have because I don't want to be 
our intellectual property to get out there and people steal it. But you know, some of the stuff he, but his prayers, like he's real. And then a little, he does like these one minute messages. Mm -hmm. That's just like, bruh, that one minute message can carry me through the day. Right. And that's okay. His one minute provokes 60 minutes. And now I got to go dig this out. I sent you a 30 second clip of Noel Jones this week. Yeah. That 30 second clip. (laughs) Man. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I pulled that out of a 50-minute sermon, but that little 30-second little snip. So what I'm saying is sometimes we have this thought process that if we deviate, it's going to be a problem. Jesus was different. Yeah. Jesus was doing it totally different than it had ever been done. That's why he man. was rejected. No, think about this. He was rejected yeah. because here's this man Helping somebody on the Sabbath. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. And every time he did it, they challenged him. And every challenge they gave him, he literally took the word and said, my ultimate goal, what you've done is you've taken the letter of the law and you've made it more important than the salvation of my people. If we want to be able to help people that are struggling with gambling addiction, with adultery, with fornication, with lust of the flesh, with same-sex relationships, with identity problems. We shouldn't ridicule them. We shouldn't browbeat them. We should welcome them with love. I'm not telling you to change your message. I'm not telling you because you you made a message last week at, on The Block is Hot about transgenders participating in sports. We're not changing. We're not telling you to preach that this is okay. Right. What we're saying is to welcome these people with love. Absolutely. And, and the problem is we aren't welcoming these people with love. Why would I want to join an organization that is not showing love? Why would I want to join an organization that is not talking about the health, wealth, and wellness of us as a people? The whole body. We talk about the body of Christ. Well, you know what? When my when 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 I get a hangnail on my big toe, it bothers me. Yeah. And that's just as important as any other part of my body. Right. When you diabetic and you get a cut and they gotta start cutting, oh yeah. They don't stop. You know, well, you got a little infection in your toe, but we're gonna have to cut up to the ankle. Right. Wait, 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 it's just in my toe. But if we just cut the toe, it might push back a little bit, and then we are, so we just gonna cut it at the ankle to be able to stop the infection from moving Traveling and up. Yeah. moving up. What we've done is, and I and I heard this analogy: the church is in trauma, and we haven't addressed the trauma. So what happens is, if you hurt your ankle when you were younger mm-hmm. and you never got your ankle looked, eventually that's gonna affect your shin, which will affect your knee, mm-hmm. which will affect your hip. Yep. So you may go. And be like, Doc, this this hip be bothering me. And they may be able to give you a pain pill, maybe even go to a chiropractor, they line you up, Mm -hmm. and your hip feel better. But but then a couple weeks later, maybe a couple months, your hip start hurting again. Why? Because it never was about your hip. Right. It was your ankle. This is a response to the bad gait that you have because of your ankle. Because of your ankle. So until you address the ankle, Mm -hmm. The she may as well leave the hip alone. <laughs> like, like you, we're, we're addressing all of the issues except the issue. Right. 
I like that. Yeah. Jesus was the personification of cultural diversity. Didn't matter to him what you looked like, who you were. He went in places where they felt like he shouldn't have gone. He helped people they felt like they shouldn't shouldn't have helped. helped. Yeah. Lepers, like, they, like, tell them what they used to do to lepers, Shonda, so people really, I think some people don't understand what they would do with somebody with lepers. Yeah, they exiled them. You know what I mean? They, They put them out of where they were. To a place where nobody else was supposed to like go. Tent like yeah. like yeah. Tent City. Like Tent City in you. L.A. Like all the homeless people, Skid Row. Yeah, exactly. So where are they supposed to get help from? If you just gather them all up, put them outside the gate so they can, they can see the blessings. They can see the happiness and, and they can see all the, the, the land that's flowing and milking, but they can't partake of it because they have something. You say you have the remedy for Because you proclaim that you can heal anybody. Jesus didn't even do that. So why is it that you feel like you can? I'm about to go into something that's not Go here. Go there. Go there. But why? Go there. No. No, go there. Go there. Why do we have two hour long altar calls and 30 minute services? Why? 30 minutes of the word. Two hour long altar calls. People come for healing. They're not coming for the word. But the word will heal you by itself. Jesus was the what? The word. The word word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the word. So one word is all we need to destroy captivity and break the chains that are binding. And what is that word? Jesus. But if you aren't strong enough to address the issues of people that look like you, how will you be strong enough to handle diversity or inclusion on any level? I would hate to think that my expectations are just too much. No, but we should have high expectations. We should. Because I, I don't serve a limitless God. There, I don't serve a limited, a limited God. God, excuse right. me. I got you. I serve a God that told me, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hello there. We just had to take a slight pause in the podcast to – deal with something so we'll um pick up the conversation right here where we were at we've been talking about um dei in church diversity equity and inclusion uh again i know you listening to it, it's like man they was making points and good points and they pause and it just don't sound like it sound like two different shows well it might right. sound like two different shows but we had to take a slight pause to um Take care of a couple issues, but welcome to the world of uh, live podcasting. Hey, there you go. There you go. But we handle it on the cutting room floor. Right. So um, before I know before we um, had to go, Shonda, we have been talking about um, churches um, inability to want to change churches, not wanting to do anything different than they had been doing. We t- spoke about um some of the expectations that need to be changed within the ministry. So I'll let you continue to go. Well, you know, unlike, excuse me, unlike most people who are uh, much younger than me. You a spring chicken still. (laughs) After, after a pause, I can't always go back to where I was. Um, But let's talk about this. I think that one, one of the, we've got to do better as a body of believers 
we have to do better. I, I wrote myself in because I'm a part of the body. We just really got to do better. We've got to stop creating um, environments where we force people to fit in instead of allowing them to just belong. And we want people to fit in. We need people to look a certain way. We need them to not do certain things. You know, as long as you don't commit any of these um, sins, then you okay. Any of these, um, now now it's a problem. I don't think we look at um, the culture of, of people who are coming into our churches. I don't think we consider that. Um, I don't think we have an eye for differences. Oh, yeah. Well, even the fact that um, you think that some churches, some ministers, some people even think that diversity is wrong, not wrong, is bad, mm-hmm. meaning people coming from other countries. Um, you know, you start to hear churches complaining about open borders and things like that, where it's like, one, we don't have open borders. I don't know where that um, talk comes from. And two, okay, they come. Are you equipped, prepared to be able to try to help these people and bring them to Christ? No. And that's the problem. It's like you just looking at it as more work. Are they coming over here with their beliefs and the things they believe? And they've been, well, okay. And did, 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 did crossing the river where Legion was stop Jesus from going to that side of the island? Yeah. No, it didn't. We listen. Oh man. It's kind of like we we do things churches do things for optics or aesthetics. Look at the flyers and things that they send out. Um you see the the people on it. These are not your people. You know, we put out uh flyers or we have banners in our uh virtual information that's diverse. You look at it, you see black people, white people, you see Asian people, you see all of that. And all and it makes it look like we are multicultural. Right. And then you come in, everybody black. Or, or everybody white. Everybody white. It's for aesthetics. That's like purchasing a picture frame at the um at the dollar store and it's got the family already in it. And you take that home and put it up on your wall. You you don't know those people. At all. They're not challenging you. They're not stretching you past, you know, your cultural uh, prejudices or any of that at all. It's just there for aesthetics. It makes you look good to put that out. But then when these people come because your flyer looks like bring me your tired, your poor, your huddle masses. But then they come in there. Nobody looks like them. And we don't want your tired, your poor, or your huddle masses. At all. We want your faithful, your dedicated, already saved. And your That's tithers. Per- and your tithers. Absolutely. We treat people, we treat people like people treat the word of God. They go into it with eisegesis, with preconceived ideas and notions. It takes you about seven seconds, really, to start to get to know find out some things about a person when you meet them. And if all you have is eisegesis or your preconceived notions, then you're looking for things to support that. Reinforce. Right. Instead of exegesis where you scrap all of that, recognizing that th- what that you really don't know anything. And you're in there to understand. 
And until we can seek to understand and not always be understood, we're always going to be behind the eight ball. You're not going to be attractive to people that don't look like you. And you're only half attractive to people who look like you. Because even at this point, the people who look like you need something different. Uh, the mic is on fire. Take that water right there and, uh, and uh, pour it out. Um, you know, it, it is, it's funny to me. I, I'm one and, and I've, I've said to you, I've said to Stefan, I've said to Lauren, I've said to my pastor, I know that there are some shortcomings that I have when it comes to our non-melanated brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, that I, that I, that I pray and ask God to help me overcome and things like that. But I admit that, but one thing I will never do is deny anybody the word of God based on my preconceived notions about your people because I don't put anybody in the all category. Mm-hmm. I don't like when it's like all people are this way, all black people that way. All, no, we one black people, and we've definitely learned. If, if, if we didn't know before, we definitely didn't learn in the last four years. Black people are not a monolith. At all. Not like like the stuff that I thought we should agree on. That I thought that, that was like like what, what? surely we'll agree. Right, on this. Surely, I mean, you. It's, it's not like y'all trying to convince me to vote for somebody who's literally an open racist. I mean, I would never expect anybody to ask me to do that. that I mean, no, happened. no, you know, somebody who, you know, hey. You know, I, and I got to bring this up. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'll bring it up on the block is hot. So okay. I just, I just I'm going to save it for that because I got something this okay. week. You and it's, it. it's, 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 it's oh. going to go there. You, Yeah. I'm going with you. Okay, I'm just, just letting so you, know. you know. I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. Okay. that. But any, anywho, <laughs> um, we have to really, really, really understand that we can't categorize people. Right. And... We have to understand, and I know we brought this up on a previous podcast before, that when somebody walks into your building, no matter what state they're in, black, white, gay, straight, man in a woman's dress, woman dressed like a man, jeans, gym shoes, and Jesus, whatever they may come, they are coming in there because they are yearning for something. They are crying for something. And if you have not prepared yourself to be able to help this person, the thing is this, don't tell me about the LGBTQIA plus agenda if you don't have a playbook to be able to help those people that come into your church that say, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to burn in my flesh anymore. Can you help me? And all you tell them to do is get married. I wish y'all could see how we were just slow blinking at each other, right? It reminded me of that uh that gift with P. Diddy and that guy where they just stared at right. each other. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he looked and he looked and they just looking at right. each other. You know, we had a conversation beforehand off mic about um how we limit and we've talked about this on a previous pod too, but we limit people salvation to their sexuality mm-hmm. when there's so much more to salvation. And just who you sleeping with. Right. When there's, there's a lot of so much more to an individual than who they're sleeping with. It is shameful. or who they're attracted to. 
it's shameful to compartmentalize a person when our job is to minister to the whole person. I wonder, I, I wonder, let me ask you something, Shonda. How do you think the church would accept, let's say a man walked into our church, handsome fella, let's say about 5'10", 5, 5'11". 5, let's just make him six feet. Six feet, okay. Going, let's let's make, make him six feet, feet tall, um, Arabic look to him, mm-hmm. beard, nice hair, early 30s. No kids, mm-hmm. no girlfriend, mm-hmm. no wife, and he hang around twelve dudes all day. Okay, would you want that man preaching to you? I mean, or not? I mean, not you. But do you right. think we would let that man preach at our church? No. And all the other Arabic dudes, like a couple of them married, but we don't never see their wives, and no. nobody ever talks about their relationships. Um, one of them seemed way too friendly with the with the with the the six foot. Mm-hmm. Arabic looking dude with a nice clean cut beard uh-huh. that's not married, no girlfriend, no kids. How do you think we would accept him in the church today? I, I'm not sure we would. I think he may be allowed to attend because nobody wants to bear ownership of telling somebody to get out of God's house. But the, the judgment, the eisegesis that would be flowing would be like that river of living water flowing. Um, the the rumors. He the, only with the them prejudices. Them twelve brothers. Right. He he'd be gay before the altar call. In a lot of people's minds, and now, and, listen, and they not shutting I, down, and they not shutting down altar call till he come up and get prayer. Listen, that altar call would be three hours long because it, you because people feel like he should be feeling the, the unction to go. You don't know this man from anybody. Now Brock and I are not afraid to accept the backlash of being fully who we are at all times and just giving you the flat foot truth about what it is. If he would be called gay before, before service was out. And just for the uh, people that's listening that didn't put two and two together, we talking about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> just so you, that's why just, I was just, just tickled. Before. Just, just so, you know, I just want some people be like, what, what are they? I just, you know, right. I know some people like, duh, but right. you know, we got to make one or two, one, one or two. We're talking about Jesus who literally no, no, no girlfriend, no wives, no kids and hung around 12 dudes all day. Yep. That part, that part. You can't have, you can't have a best friend who is the same sex as you. Um, you can't have a, uh, a best friend who's the opposite sex of you without being accused of some type of inappropriate behavior between the two of you. And the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. And it just shows the impurity that is circulating in our minds. It shows the lack of focus that we have on the things that pertain to the kingdom and to loving each other, to the equity, to the diversity and inclusion. We have no commitments whatsoever. Ever. We walk boldly towards our own biases. We don't invoke change in ourselves or others. Um, you know, if, if we could become the change we want to see, we could absolutely change a generation. If we were bold enough and honest enough, uh, we would accept the fact that you can't change what you don't acknowledge. You can't heal what you hide. You can't protect. Fix what you pretend is not broken, and you can't get over situations that you pretend don't hurt you. 
We have to be honest about things. We have to be real about situations and things that are happening right in front of our eyes. We have to accept. We can't be in denial the rest of our lives about the things that we're not doing right. And there are a lot of things we aren't doing right. We are not doing it right. We, we talked off, off mic about the, the barber that I used to have. And I remember going to her and I wanted uh, a mohawk. I'm like, I want, want something different. I want a mohawk. Cut it. I want a mohawk. And she said, I don't know how to do a mohawk. And honestly, I was in shock because you're a barber. You know, what, what do you mean? I had seen some beautiful mohawks. Um, and she was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. She's like, I don't, I don't do all that. I don't do all that fancy stuff. You know, if you want, like I can. You ain't ask her to put Tupac face on the back of your head. Nope. All I asked for was a mohawk. That's just a, a, a higher fade, really. That's it. And, and shape it into, you know, a little yeah. bit of a cone. Not, don't make it pointy. Right. Like cone but head. I'm just but saying. You know, yeah. That, and that's ask for nothing fancy. But she's like, I don't, I don't do all that. You know, I, I do your I'm I do your afro. You know, I line you up. I can give you a taper. Put you a line or two in there if you want that. But that's it. This is us. Nobody stays the same. Nobody. None of us will stay the same. And if you stay the same, you'll get passed over. But the thing is, what is the alternative to you? If there's no alternative, guess what? We're losing a generation mm-hmm. because there's no alternative to right. you. And 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 I want to re- and I know this isn't a, about diversity, equity and inclusion, but it kind of brings you into what you had mentioned about purity of thought and just where people's minds are and the reason we cannot progress. So Beth Moore, I don't know if you um, do, do you know who Beth Moore is used to be with Southern Baptist Convention, was a minister, no. um, um, left. Got a lot of backlash when she left, but she talked about the, the sexism, the racism, all that, that other stuff. So I've, I've read about her some years ago, and I know Shonda sent me a text the other day like, we need to do a segment on so-and-so. But anyway, she was trending on Twitter the other day. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you want to see why somebody's trending, like Beth right. Moore's trending. So I thought when I saw her trending, it had something to do with the Department of Justice Um investigating the Southern Baptist convention, but no. So she had posted this. I'm going to show you this picture. You see this picture. Mm -hmm. She posted that picture. Okay. And this is the caption. She posted it on Twitter. I'm growing grapes for reals. It's like a miracle in 50 jillion degree weather. If Jesus is trying to get me to have a crush on him, it's working. That's what she wrote. Mm -hmm. So to me, when I read, you know, I read that and I see somebody who's just looking at, the fruit that she's growing right. and, and giving reverence to God, right. but saying it in a way kind of like, if he's trying to get me to have a crush on him, it's work, you know, just like, but acknowledging the creator. Absolutely. This is an abominable statement, such a disrespect for God and trying to be cool. Shameful. I'm not sure which is worse. The fact that Beth Moore believes Jesus is trying to get her to have a crush on him or the fact that people are defending what she says. This is my point. This is why we need diversity. Diversity gives everybody a chance to speak and to hear. Cultural diversity is not like a meal where everything is separately on the plate. It's like a soup where you can't take the ingredients out after it's cooked. Leave this woman alone. 
her relationship with God is her relationship. It's based on um, how they have grown to know each other and experience each other. This is a part of, of their cultural development. Why do we need everybody's relationship to be the same? It should not. So it I'm, will not. I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus is my homeboy shirts must have made them go crazy. One of my favorite comedians had the songs of Jesus. That's my homie. We be kicking it all the time. On a Monday, he the homie. Hey, whatever works for you, however you build your relationship and your rapport with him, I'm good as long as you're building a relationship and rapport with him. Because chances are, if you love him, no matter how you love him, if you love him right, you're going to love me right. Period. I don't care what that looks like. It's not up to me to narrate your love story with Jesus or to have you narrate mine. We are to accept each other. Even if you feel like there's something that I'm lacking, if you have a really good understanding of cultural diversity and you've done some research, look into other people's culture, you will never approach me to take away what I already have. You will only seek to add to it. So at the point where you want to destroy everything that I have and for me to accept what you have, you've already lost me. Bam. <laughs> Shonda on fire over here but it, it, it's just amazing to me that um we don't learn from our history and I know last week on the podcast I kind of gave the analogy when we were talking about um slavery and I talked about the children of Israel there's always an example in the book that you can use and at the end of the day what we have to understand is our mission is like Paul's mission. Like we've been called to really just go like Paul was everywhere. He was in Athens. He was in Thessala. He was in Galatia. He was in Ephesus. He was in um, Rome. He was everywhere. Corinth. Corinth. I mean, everywhere. everywhere he was going to preach the gospel. Some of these places were African nations. Some of these places were more European style nations or Greek nations and things. He didn't care. Did not care. And, and to me still, you know, I got little, it's about 10 to 12, just little stories, uh, things that just, when I think about them or I use them or they might go to. But when Paul was in Athens and he went to the statue of the unknown God where people met every day, and they talked about the new beliefs and people would share. And they heard Paul talking about Christ and they wanted to all gather around him. And he gave them a message. He, these were people that were hungry mm -hmm. and he fed them. We literally have people that are starving and we got a refrigerator full of food, but nobody to cook it. Or people who refuse to read the recipes because the recipes is written for us. We're not asking you to make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? Right. <laughs> we literally have fresh, organic yeah. chicken, free range, whatever other terms you want to use. We have fresh fruits and vegetables. We getting milk and honey and it's all there in the word. But we refuse to follow the recipe. Yeah. 
And what we do is, is we've clung on, we've um, glommed on to other people's way of doing things. Well, this church do it this way and that church do it that way. So maybe this is how church should be done. When I read, when I read the book about Azusa Street, oh, yeah. they said that Bishop Seymour would come into the church and literally just pray for like two hours, wouldn't say anything. And then all of a sudden the spirit would just drop and they would just worship for maybe another three hours. And what we, and, and when you read the story of Azusa Street, the most amazing thing about it to me is it's 1906. You got black people and white people worshiping together. And the man who trained Bishop Seymour, when he came and saw them worshiping together, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. The enemy started to plant the seeds there. Trying to think, this is 1906. And this man didn't been a, a reason for the drop of the Holy Ghost in the United States. And black people and white people showing up to this little bitty building. Is a barn? A barn. And just worshiping together. I didn't read, when I was reading a book about Azusa Street, you know what I didn't see? I didn't see nothing about altar calls. I didn't see nothing about tithing lines. I didn't read anything about money lines. I didn't read anything about announcements. What I read was people were running to get in that building. Why? Because the spirit of God was there. Guess what was happening, Shonda? They were being healed. Yep. And delivered. And delivered. Not because they were coming to the altar, but because it was almost like, I just got to get into the building. Just let me get Mm -hmm. inside the building. And you know what else didn't happen? Nobody was telling anybody else how they should be worshiping. You come, you do, you offer to God what you have, the way you have it, the way you feel it. Nobody's telling you, no, don't clap, lift your hands. No, don't lift your hands, you should clap. Don't do any of that. You should wave. Nobody's telling you what to do. You want to know why? Because the fact that they were speaking in these tongues was amazing to people anyway. They like, these folks, what is happening? So you already look crazy to folks speaking in tongues. Because at that time, they hadn't seen that. But now we want so much control. We have usurped authority over the Holy Spirit. Because we got it. We know what we know what should be done. We got the script, and and we try to give you scriptures to put a a, a restraint on the Holy Spirit. My thing is, is the Holy Spirit is a. It, there's a meme that I always I, I use it from time to time. I think I sent it to Tracy, um, a friend of the show, when she had preached, and it just showed a man walking on fire. Yeah, to me that is the Holy Spirit one. It's in full effect in us. Yeah. You can't see it, but I'm just walking on fire. You feel it. You feel it. And here you come wanting to put the fire out and say, just keep a little bit on your finger. You know, just just a little flame right there. Mm-hmm. You want to put that fire out because it's not you. And it don't have to be you. It don't need to always be you. It's not going to always be you. Why, it's why? not. The 12 that walked with Jesus, mm-hmm. 80% of the New Testament is Paul. Why is it Paul and not the rest of them? Timothy was was Paul's friend. Well, him's letters to uh, from Paul to Timothy. We have Jude. Mm-hmm. We have James. 
we got first, second, third Peter, first, second, third John. Mm-hmm. Luke, physician of who? Paul. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything else is Paul. And then Revelation is John. Mm-hmm. Why is it that his is in there, but not nobody else's? Where's the book of, um, name one of the other apostles. I'm drunk. Tom, um, Thomas. Yeah. Because they were so ingrained still, even though they had walked with Jesus, gotten the Holy Ghost, they still they were like the children of Israel. They had so much law in them that Jesus was like, I can't use you for that. And that's fine. You you continue to pray to the Jews mm-hmm. and convert them. Because I can't send you to the Gentiles. Right. Do what you do. And do it well. Paul, not only was he converted, Paul was well educated. They well weren't. Able. They, they, they were weren't. not. He, he said was. that he he was a scholar. Yep. Almost what we would call up. of Gamaliel, yeah. who was a great philosopher. Right. He was well-educated, well-able to have the discussion. He could talk to anybody. It didn't and matter. And he was a Roman was citizen. Born. Absolutely. So, so he could he travel write? from place to place with no restrictions because he was a Roman citizen. These were fishermen, contractors, yeah. what farmers, people we w- at that time that would not be as highly educated. Right. Not saying they weren't educated. As hot you like they would have been high school, high school graduates. Right. Paul was a PhD. Right. I like that. I mean, so yeah. You understand what I'm saying? He was a PhD. And when you're a PhD, you you begin to study in an area so much that you know it that you have to write a dissertation right. and present that dissertation to and people. Paul understood that, oh, this should be open to everybody. Everybody. And remember, Paul started off with the Jews. And he saw, oh, y'all are hard-necked people. Right. Right. But these Gentiles want this thing. Why? Shonda, you want to know why? Because they were. Um, Is that not cultural diversity, equity, inclusion? And guess what? When he went to do equity and inclusion for these Gentiles that we were told don't need it, don't get it, they disgusting, they they eat unclean. Mm-hmm. They they sacrificing their babies. All this other stuff. Paul said they want the word, so I'm gonna go take it to them. Right. I don't care what y'all say. And when they and and when they saw them getting converted, saw them coming to Christ. All right. Well, you got to do it the way we doing it. We gonna put restrictions on y'all. So y'all got to be circumcised, and y'all have to follow the law. One, they weren't born into the law, right. so they not gonna follow the law. At all. Two, I'm not telling no thirty year old grown man. To go get circumcised. Right. With infections and all the stuff that was going on. But I'm, I'm just saying, we're not going to do that. Plus, guess what? We couldn't follow the law. Right. So we're going to tell them to follow the law. No, it's all free in Christ. What Christ say is free is what? Free indeed. It's free indeed. So Paul went and what? He did diversity, inclusion, and training. For people that you we felt didn't deserve it, yeah. weren't worthy of it, shouldn't have it. And Paul said, who do, y'all, who do we think we are to prevent it? Because they hungry. Mm-hmm. And we got the food to feed them. And we're going to hold on to it for ourselves. Right. And then, you know, you got Peter who would kind of, all right, all right, yeah, yeah, this working good. So Peter come with you, and he want to sit and break bread with them. And then when they come back and try to check Peter, no, 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 no. And Paul's like, oh, I see how you are. Be who you are. That's right. fine. 
if if this is your lane, you drive in your lane. If you if you were meant to travel to forty eight continental United States, then travel to continental forty eight United States. Right. Some people are called to walk. Some people are called to run, mm-hmm. and some people are called to soar. And the people that are called to soar cannot hear the opinions of those that are called to walk and run because I'm too busy soaring. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I need. I don't want to hear it for myself. Yeah, but yeah, you got I mean, to sometimes. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 to me, that how that just came together because that's what Paul did. Going to the Gentiles was bringing in people that we felt weren't worthy, mm-hmm. didn't deserve, yep. shouldn't be getting it. They don't have what you have. They don't look like you. They don't do the things that you do. Their cultural background is totally different from yours. We're talking about pagans. Pagan, yeah. like So when you tell me that people who come from other countries shouldn't be here because they're going to bring their ways and their, their ideas and all that other stuff, well, your ideas are better, right? So make a, make a case for your ideas. You know, I, I, as if y'all forgot when you brought us here right. on that nice boat ride, we had cultural, um, our cultural diversity was nothing like yours. It has always been the American tradition to rob people of their culture and force them to accept this one. That way it's never really. Well, that's diverse. just, that's just been colonialism though. Yeah. We colon, you know, colonized Africa. We colonized India, we colonized Asia. So that's just a part of colonialism. We're going to strip away your diversity, Mm -hmm. force you to, you know, I mean, the American government apologized for coming over here, forcing the Native Americans to go to schools and, you know, all this other stuff. And you're going to learn the the quote-unquote American way. And it should not be like that. We shouldn't be taking You can be who you are. Yep. And still have fully. Jesus fully. Yes. You can be fully who you are and still have Jesus. Cause Jesus was fully who he was. Mm-hmm. Paul was fully who he was. Right. And what most people have done or most institutions, they have realized that it's not going to be easy to keep diverse, keep diversity at bay because America is not just made up of Americans anymore. It is vastly becoming uh, the majority minority. Um, And in in a few years, African-Americans won't be the number two anymore. You'll probably be like number three or four very shortly. So a lot of institutions are becoming more diverse but not inclusive. And you can see when Paul went to the Gentiles, he made sure that it wasn't like that. We're not going to just be diverse and not inclusive. We're going to include everybody. Everybody should have a voice. Hold on, Shonda. I just thought of something. Follow me. I'm with you. Peter was like, these people are unclean. Mm -hmm. They eat meat that we don't eat, meat that you've told us is unclean. Mm -hmm. Paul went into, Peter, excuse me, went into prayer. When he was in prayer, what happened, Shonda? He saw a vision. And what happened in that vision? It was eating all kinds of stuff. It was a blanket, wasn't it? Yep. It was on each corner was a four-legged animal. Yep. And he woke him up. He said, rise, Peter, slay and eat. What I say is clean. Don't you call unclean. So what was he saying? Don't take away what they do. Right. To make it conform to what you've been raised to do. Add to it. 
don't take away. Don't take away. Christ doesn't want to. What did he say? He said, I didn't come to kill the law. I came to fulfill right. the law, meaning I'm adding, adding to, it. I am the final piece. Right. I am the, the, the final scene, the final right. piece that you've been, I'm the cherry on top Absolutely. of the law. The things that people do, all of this is important. All the mistakes that you've made, all the wrong turns that you've taken, all of that is important. All the bad or the decisions that you think are bad, all of that, all the heartache, God wastes nothing. All of that is important. All of that has been instrumental in making you the person that you are and is setting the stage for you to walk into what he called you to be. So who is it that can look at you and say, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. When the person who was in control of everything didn't stop anything from happening, it'll all work for you. It ain't happening to you. And guess what? It'll all work for your good. If you love me, we just got to endure and run on and see what the end is going to be. Right. Leave people alone. I don't mean that we shouldn't tell people the truth. Right. Always give people the truth, but it's not your job to live that truth for them or micromanage how they receive it. Absolutely. My thing is this. If, if, if you come and we baptize you, water baptize you in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. And then you say, I want to receive the gift of Holy ghost by speaking in other tongues. And you present all of this and you, you, you call me when you have questions about reading the word and then we're walking down the street one day and, and you be like, Ooh, don't step on that crack. And I'll tell you, no, that's demonic. You need, that needs to fall. If that's how you were raised, who am I to tell somebody because you believe you step on crack, you break your mother's back. Now, is that going to happen? No. no, but if that's splitting the pole, Oh, don't split the pole. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And I know. Save, sanctify, Holy Ghost, feel will won't split that pole. will not split that pole. That will literally get mad or walk yeah. or they'll go back and walk around and come back and be like, man, why you split that pole? You know how I many circles I made people walk around the pole? Because <laughs> you're not holy Ghost. Make a Michigan you <laughs> get back around that pole. Yeah. Man, that doesn't that doesn't here. stop them from Paul didn't sit there and be like, all right, look, I'm gonna tell you about the good news in Christ. But y'all gonna have to put this pork down, right? Forever. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's all we have on our land, right? That's all we grow. What else we gonna eat, right? What do you, we, what do you tell somebody when that's all they have, and you're just condemning it because you don't like it, um, you don't want to eat it because okay, it's true that African Americans are more prone to high blood pressure from eating pork. Okay. But you can't make everybody put pork down because you have this one, this idea. Culturally, there are people who only eat pork. Right. There are people who eat pork at certain times of the year. There, there are cultural differences. People that don't eat beef at all. Cow, they right. sacred, they whatever. And, and what we have to do is we have to show love and compassion. Mm -hmm. I just read a story this week, and we will be closing out getting to the block is hot soon, but I read a, 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 a article this week about um, a little girl who had lost both of her parents and she was going to a, a, a Baptist um, school and both of her parents died. She got adopted by a lesbian couple. Okay. 
And they told her that she could no longer go to the school because of the parents' lifestyle. And it brought a lot of things to me. Um, one, you want people to keep the babies, but then when they do and then the parents die and, you know, adoption and we, but then we got, we don't want certain people to adopt them. Right. Cause they need home. Mm-hmm. Then you had this child who's been going to this school that lost their parents that have a sense of normalcy. A couple decides to take this child in and now you're going to kick this child out of the school who now they going to go through their life knowing I lost my mother. I lost my father. Now something that is comfortable for me, something that has been part of my life since I was a child, I'm being kicked out of that because of the people who love, who decided to love me and take me in. So the people who loved me originally and had me, they're not here. Now you're rejecting me because of the people who have me now. Then we're going to wonder why that hip. Why that hip is hurt. Why that hip is hurt. It ain't the hip. It ain't the hip. It's the ankle. It is the way we have learned to walk. I gave myself. <laughs> it's the way we've learned to walk because something else is damaged. It's not, it's not your back that's hurting. It's the leg. And until we treat the original injury, You'll be chasing symptoms all over your body. I just, I just don't know what it is. I, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, when I was six, I did. Wait, you did what when you were six? Oh, wait a minute, you did what? So that's okay. Now we can get you straight. Right? Oh, so you fell and never got it. Look, okay. Now we know. How you, you see people with crooked fingers where they mm-hmm. bent their finger and they never put a splint in it yep. to straighten it out. And then, like my grandfather, both of his pinkies used to kind of sit like this. Mm-hmm. And you see him rubbing. And like you see, I can kind of mock it a little bit. That's how yeah. his pinkies look right. because he messed them up, never splinted them out to straighten them up. And then, you know, mix that with a, you get older, a little arthritis, touch mm-hmm. of arthritis and, and all of heal. that. It'll heal how you hold it. How you hold it. So will your heart, so will your soul, as your body will, so will everything. It'll heal how you hold. Man, I'm telling you, when the spirits start flowing, it start flowing. Y'all getting some fresh, y'all getting some fresh honey right now, some fresh oil. So um, that was a great, 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 great topic. But on to... That is the intro for the block is hot because the block is hot. So Shonda, can I go first, please? Yes, please. So I'm, 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 I believe that in energy. Absolutely. And I believe that the energy that you've exuded at one time, keep that same energy. I'm with that. So, and and you can say, I always go on this rant or always talk about this person. So this week, the department of justice went into the home of, Donald John Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Now, for six, seven, eight, nine years, I heard people tell me that this was God's man, mm-hmm. that he was a man of God. But all of the stuff that's starting to come, this man had nuclear information that he possibly was looking to sell, locked up in his basement. Listen to me right now. The energy that you had defending this man, I want that same energy when this stuff, the, the drips, 
come out to tell you that he wasn't when 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 it is coming out that he is the liar that I thought he was, that he was the racist that I thought he was, that he was the traitor that we thought he was. Like all of this, no, y'all told me he was all these other things. To quote the, the late, great Dennis Green, he was who we thought he was. And I just want the same energy because y'all was posting about him. Y'all was talking about him, making people feel a certain way for not voting for him. Where y'all at now? The silence is deafening. So I remember one time, God forgive me, but I'm going to say it. Somebody told me that if he didn't become president again, that it was going to speed up the rapture coming. You know what? They might have been right. You want to know why? Because he was going to sell them nuclear codes to a country that was going to start dropping bombs. Facts. So I just want you to be intellectually consistent. Because for four or five years on, I'm not on Facebook, but on Facebook and on Instagram, y'all were talking about Tucker Carlson, another racist, and defending them and Fox News. When me and Shonda come on this podcast and we talk about the way police treat African-Americans every day. But you know what Fox News was talking about? Defund the FBI because they're political and they raided President Trump's house and all this other stuff. So you so when it happened to somebody you don't like, you don't care. But when it happened to somebody you do like, we need to start talking about the funds that they get. So when black people say defund the police, which really isn't about getting rid of the police, it's about reimagining what policing looks like, even though the history of policing comes out of slave catching and it healed as thus. And so that we still what are slave catching. So I'm sorry, but I had to go there because it, I, I couldn't be silent anymore about this. I want that same energy that y'all was giving me about this man. The same energy that y'all was telling me that this was God's man. And I'm angry and it's, and I'm talking through my teeth because I feel this way. Cause this is all I heard about from friends, loved ones, church friends, ministers, pastors, Facebook, Instagram, all of y'all was shoving this down my throat. He was who we thought he was. And y'all let him off the hook quote from Dennis green. So I'm done. I'm going to jump on that before I say something else. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I'll tell you with just as much passion as you just had that nobody is going to approach this situation with the same energy. And I'll tell you why. It is easier for people to jump off the roof strong and wrong for something they believe in than to apologize when they find out they were wrong. Make sure that let me hit it again. I don't know if that made it through. It will always be silent when people are proven wrong because if you are complacent, you're complicit. Nobody wants to admit that they were wrong about him. A few people have, a few brave souls did a while back. Right. All these things that have been coming out since the investigation into what happened on January 6th, that really happened. All of these investigations and and um and people who are being sentenced. And why was the black man sentenced to five years when everybody else is only got? He was sentenced years? for he shouldn't have been there. He, he shouldn't have been. But I know some other people who shouldn't have been there. Well, that's another conversation for another day. But uh, I saw. I was I was laying in the bed this morning. And I I decided let me watch this episode of Dateline, and it was about a young black guy 
I think he was 20 years old, or he was 20 years old, named Anton Brown. Anton was the George Floyd before George Floyd. He's a kid, roughhousing with his 12-year-old neighbor, and he had him in, like, the full Nelson. And a white couple passed by and saw it and called the police, afraid for the 12-year-old's life, so to speak. So the police comes up. This guy's a roughhousing. He lets the 12-year-old go. 12-year-old takes off. They start chasing Anton. I guess the 12-year-old said that he's schizophrenic. He was not schizophrenic. But they started chasing him, and the police officer who's doing this had already been released from his department for some of the same type of behavior, only to be hired at a different department. They chased this young man. He gets to his home. He sits in a car in front of his home. He takes the, the officer takes the baton, busts the car window. He's trying to get out the other side. He tases the young man. They drag him out of the car. He had called for backup. You got all these officers for this scraggly little kid because you're not grown at 20 years old. On 12 years old. No, the 20-year-old because the 12-year-old got away. Oh, I got you. So he is in front of his door. They have him held down, pinned to the ground. His mother comes out to see what, what is happening outside of her door. And this man dies. This young 20-year-old dies on his porch in front of his mother and father, watching him take his last breath. Because you have shackled his ankles with his hands behind his back, and you, you are crushing his neck. And there's no explanation as, as to why. Even the people investigating this have said this is an excessive use of force. There was no reason for this. At the point when he's when the twelve year old goes one way, and if he's a victim, who's checking on him? Why didn't you all go see if he was okay instead of following this young man who is obviously terrified and wondering why you're here? But you suffocate him in front of his mother and father on his doorstep, and and the officer is acquitted, even though he is shown. Arresting another black man just a couple of years before in the prior police department. The man is face down on the ground. He walks up, kicks him in the face, unconscious. He kicked him unconscious. Somebody tell me why we don't look at this as being a problem. And please, somebody tell me why the voice of the place where we should go to have healing is silent about all these things that are happening. Because they were too busy talking about Donald Trump. And that was another episode of The Block is Hot. So uh, I want to thank you all for listening. We're going to close it out. Rabbi, it's on you. Um, I'll close out with um, a little bit of an article that I wrote. Culture is what shapes us, our identity and influ- our identity and influences our behaviors. It is asking and answering questions like what language do you speak? What is your religion? What holidays do you celebrate and why? How do you racially, racially and ethnically identify? It is a constant and continual contribution from everyone that empowers everybody to be. 
Diversity in culture is important because culture is the lens through which we evaluate everything and everyone around us. We evaluate what is proper and improper, normal and abnormal. And if all we have are our own cultural beliefs, we are arrested by culture shock and we start to judge others by our own cultural standards. And that could rise to the level of discrimination and we see it every single day. If we are often surrounded by cultures that are different from our own, we can slowly move from shock and judgment to acceptance and eventually incorporation. And that is how we lessen the fear of that which we do not understand, not by avoidance and exclusion. Every person can make a unique and positive contribution to society because of rather than in spite of their differences. Amen. 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 That was beautiful. You wrote that. Yeah. That was good. Thank you. you. You might know what you're doing. In these streets, just a little bit, not, not a lot, baby girl, just a little bit. Um, I'm just going to close on this. Um, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, but I guess we missed that part amongst the other things that we miss in the book. Um, Jesus even said, I mean, that was one of the commandments, but even Jesus said that loving your neighbor is the greatest. He said, love, you know, love others as you love yourself. And what we have to begin to do is love people, not for what they can do for us, not for how we can make them who we think they should be, but love them for who they are. Absolutely. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. It says hope, faith, and love, but the greatest of these three is love. So if we continue to learn to love people and we continue to love them how they want to be loved, not how we think they should be loved or how they deserve to be loved, then we can meet them where they are in their language, in their culture. So I'll add a six love language to the five that we already have. And that's loving somebody for who they are and not who we think they should be. And with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, thank you and God bless.